Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. I'm your host, Faisal Khan. TerraPay is an emerging payments company, one that is surely making a dent and letting its presence felt. Born out of India, headquartered in Amsterdam and doing business all over the world, I'm honored to have the founder and CEO of TerraPay, Mr. Amber Sur, to explain more about TerraPay, how they got started and their goal of transfer happiness. Hi Amber, how are you? Good Faisal, all good here. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into TerraPay. How did you get started? Where did you start your career from? And how did you end up at TerraPay? Okay, so my name is Ambar Sur. Uh, I've been in the mobile space all my life. I started off doing uh, RF design, where you decide where to put uh, cell sites for cellular operators. And before that, all my education was also in the cellular field in, in RF design. So from that, I started working for a consulting company that did design work. I worked for an operator. And then uh, for the operator BPL in Bombay, I started off their internet companies. And that led to this merging of internet with mobile. And that's held me since then. From there, I started a value-added services company, which was supposed to look at content and location-based services, but 2000 wasn't a great time to start a company. We quickly migrated into uh, SMS-based recharge products and uh, SMSCs. Um, so from that, we then merged that company with uh, Bharti Telesoft, uh, which then became Comviva. And Comviva then became one of the largest vendors of electronic recharge, uh, mobile wallets, and other value-added services like SMSCs and uh, USSD gateways. Comviva subsequently was sold to Tech Mahindra in 2013. And uh, at, that, at that time, you know, I had to decide what to do. And one of the things we realized was, you know, you know, Comviva is the world leader in uh, mobile wallets. And we had wallet installations all over the place. But one thing I saw was these wallets weren't interconnected. It was uh, islands of interoperability. Okay within that network itself. So whether it was an M-Pesa or an Airtel or whatever, they could only operate within that uh, and nowhere else. And this made us realize that, you know, there must be an opportunity here because if you look at SMS, initially when we launched, SMS was also within the network only. The minute we made it interoperable across um, multiple operators, 
the SMS volumes kicked up. So that's what led us to founding uh, TerraPay. TerraPay is essentially connects mobile wallets worldwide with the vision of uh, send money to any mobile. And with that vision, we then started off work on getting licenses, interconnecting the wallets, uh, and that's where we are today. So when you say that you connect mobile wallets, do they have to be a Mahindra, Comviva, or Tech Mahindra client, or can it be any carrier in the world? No, it has to be any carrier in the world. The vision is just like you know the mobile number and you send a text message. I should know your. I should be able to know your mobile number and send send money. Uh, obviously, when you start with the base of uh, Mahindra Kamviva wallets, that's a significant base which is which you can work with. Uh, Mahindra Kamviva has one third of the world's wallet uh, wallet share. And, and I was looking at that. So that's like eighty plus uh, carriers and over a billion people using it. Is that correct? Exactly. And using that base, interconnecting those, I can start interconnecting with those wallets and then move on. We are already talking to other players where uh, there's non-Comviva wallets, which we are integrating. So the plan is to start wherever we can, whichever market is uh, suitable to us. Mobiquity from Comviva is not the primary focus. So you are trying to tackle the utopian dream of what regulators have been trying to do, which is interoperability amongst mobile play, uh, payment players. Is that correct? Yes, uh, interoperability amongst mobile wallets. Mobile wallets. Does this make uh, TerraPay a retail product or a business product? Oh, we are purely B2B. So the vision was, you know, to be like Visa maybe where Visa runs the rails, but you, you still remain a customer of Citibank or Stanchart, any of that. So we, you will still remain a customer of M-Pesa or Airtel Money or Orange Money. And uh, TerraPay interconnects these wallets at the back end and does the regulatory and other work for you. So the problem you're trying to solve is interoperability, but I also noticed when I was reading through your material that you're also looking at because we we agree that the world of payments is extremely fragmented, but in addition, you're also trying to solve the problem of real-time transfers and micro-transfers. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yes. Yeah, so interoperability, we look at it in three ways. It could be uh, domestic interop, where you're sending money within the country itself, and we've seen countries which have several wallet providers but not talking to each other. It's similar to what we had earlier on where, uh, you know, with interoperability with banks. You had several banks, but you couldn't encash a check from one bank in the other. So that's what we are doing. We're creating the switch to uh, allow domestic interop. There's also the option of regional interop where, you know, if you look at a region like uh, the European Union, that's a regional interop, same currency, but different countries, different uh, places talking to each other. And then there's international interop. International interop is essentially... Um, international remittances. So if you're sending money from, let's say, Dubai to the Philippines, that falls under the gamut of international interop. And uh, for that, we need, I mean, for a lot of these, we need licenses. So the service mainly is not the technology aspect of it, but the entire service where we go in, we get, we get licensed in these countries, we then uh, work with the local operator to allow them to uh, send money in and out of the country. We take care of the AML CFT through our uh, technology and offer the service to these operators. So, Amber, is it fair to say 
you are not just a technology company you are actually a payments company no different than let's say the likes of earthport or tipalty and and the likes sure we are a payments company technology is a very small piece in the game the, the real challenge is regulatory uh and given our heritage we are very well positioned to tackle the regulatory aspects of it and how's the how's the uh, rollout been i mean you know i i think the only other example i can really think of is maybe a wrong example but when uh, the tatas bought the range rover this is pretty much you know when an indian company went out and went and captured the the international space so to speak as a brand Uh, this is very different for an indian company to come out and go into the payment space and that too on a worldwide level uh, what's your thought on that okay firstly we are a, a netherlands based company um we uh, operate out of the netherlands with subsidiaries in various countries operating worldwide uh, for comviva uh, which is apparent has not been a, a hindrance because today we operate in about 90 countries right and the parent company itself so we've not faced challenges that way the bigger challenges we faced is um the on the regulatory aspect so first things we did was you know let's go and acquire some licenses uh so the first thing we did was get ourselves uh, we actually bought a company in the UK pay to global which allowed us uh, entry into into UK and Europe this gave us an uh, FCA API license So that's how we started off and with that then we applied for licenses in various other countries including um Kenya Tanzania Uganda South Africa Botswana and the like so different con- countries have different license regimes some of them recognize mobile remittances some of them don't so we had to actually work with a lot of these regulators to get uh, to make them understand mobile remittances and that's how we got our licenses in places where we haven't gotten licenses or were chosen not to get licenses we've uh, partnered with people for example in in the gulf in gcc we've partnered with several people which are and where we use their license to uh, send the money out is your product basically basically an international product or a domestic product i mean are you focusing more on domestic interoperable payments or are you focusing more on uh, international payments we're focusing right now on international payments um that's the bigger less lower hanging fruit um domestic interop is uh, not available in too many countries today the only one i can think of is probably tanzania indonesia uh, peru uh, the, there have been success in a few and and not so much success in the others tanzania is a great example of interop um so we are focusing on international interop and i think uh, once that market grows we'll look at domestic let's talk about the market isn't the market saturated it seems every startup aims to tackle the remittance uh problem so to speak you know the remittance market it is the low hanging fruit it is the market size is estimated at i don't know right now it's 630 billion dollars a year it'll probably grow up etc you being a new entrant in the market are you finding it um overcrowded or not there's a lot of opportunity in this market if you look at the two largest players between the two of them they control about 20% of the market the rest of it is controlled by regional and in country players uh, that is where the opportunity presents itself uh, we are seeing a lot of uh, good inquiries coming in and remember we are focused on mobile wallets 
Yes, there are other guys who are coming in doing bank transfers and stuff like that. But mobile wallets is a newer field. Um, not too many people in the in the payment space understand mobile wallets, and that's what we want to target. So we're looking at low-cost remittances into mobile wallets. But isn't it a very small fraction of the customer base that will actually be using the international aspect of transfers? When you talk about a carrier, not everyone has a need to do international transfers, correct? Sure, but the market itself is a 600 to $800 billion market. And the way we are seeing growth in mobile wallets, I think over the next period of 10, 5 to 10 years, we will see this picking up uh, more and more. Within the payment space that you're doing internationally, is remittance the only thing you'll be looking at? Or are you going to be doing value-added additions by connecting to maybe external payment networks? Uh, examples could be PayPal, could be Skrill, Payneer, and so forth. How does that work out for you down the roadmap? We will definitely look at partnering with people in the long term. But right now, we're looking primarily at working with wallet players uh, in the international remittance space. That's We want to do that at phase one. And once that is set up, we will look at uh, partnering with the other players you mentioned. What does the uh, scope look like? You have phase one, phase two, and so forth. You plan to cover the entire international market. How many countries would you be going out to eventually? If you look at remittances, remittances is usually a corridor phenomenon. So you have um, pockets of countries going out. So you have um, UK sending to the ex-Commonwealth countries like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Then you have Philippines, Indonesia. Then you have a lot of traffic going from France, Belgium to West Africa. Um, you have a lot of traffic going from the Middle East to um, India, Pakistan, Philippines. And you have Asia. a lot of traffic within Africa itself. Within Africa, the South-South Corridor is actually uh, a, a large opportunity because the money moves there in different ways. So we're looking at uh, all of those. This uh, Ultimately, yes, it's, it's a worldwide opportunity. You know, you're looking at all the uh, 150-odd countries. To start off with, we're looking at UK, Europe, uh, Africa, Middle East, and Asia. So everything other than Americas. And when you say real-time, what, what does real-time entail? Is it possible for someone to send money from London and receive it in Nairobi in, let's say, 10 seconds? Yeah, we're clocking under a minute right now, and it purely depends on, on the efficiency of the network and the regulatory. In some countries, there is a mandatory hold of 15 minutes, so you hold it, but then you see the transaction going through in 15 and a half minutes. Um, so it's pretty much real real time. Well, that's that's really amazing if you can do it under a minute because uh, not many names I can think of that would actually send money across the world in, in under a minute. How about the microtransfer aspect? Uh, I have a very famous example I cited. I said, you know, $6.80. Is it possible for me to do this transaction on your network in a cost-efficient manner? Meaning, if I want to send $6.80 from, let's say, London to Manila, Am I not going? Am I going to be paying fifteen dollars for this transaction or not? No, it will not. Definitely not be fifteen dollars. It'll be much less. Um, but that's the beauty of how SMS works and micropayments and wallets work. We are not used to paying these large amounts. It's never going to succeed uh, if you're going to charge fifteen dollars for a six dollar transaction. 
you're looking at it uh, just like you send a text message. I pick up the phone, somebody needs money on the other side, I send it across. Um, there will be currency issues in there, for forex rates in there. But ap apart from that, we don't have much other costs because we're using existing partners. These could be uh, primarily mobile operators who have an existing uh, dealer franchise which already handles a lot of their other payments. So our costs are uh, extremely less, very marginal. So is there going to be like a, a, a wallet app that one needs to download f uh, for each particular geography or is it just like SMS and somehow tying it up? H how does it work? As a consumer, what would be in my hand? As a consumer, you would have the wallet of your local operator. So assume you're a MTN subscriber okay. uh, sitting in uh, Ghana. Okay. You have the MTN Ghana app on your phone. So it could be an app, it could be a USSD-based product, whatever the local supplier provides or local partner provides. You've been doing transactions through this app um, or portal for other things. So you recharge your phone, you pay your um, gas bills, you, you transfer money to your friends, all of that. All we're doing is now adding the ability to receive money internationally to it. So you will never know uh, the consumer will never know about TerraPay. He thinks he's getting his money through MTN. You have to deal with different markets in a different way because certain markets will allow you to just be receive-only markets and certain would be receive and send, correct? Exactly. So that's where our reputation, our, our parental reputation comes in, where as part of the Mahindra Group, we can easily uh, work with regulators worldwide and we get these regulatory permissions to then allow us to do uh, send only or send and receive or receive only. Doesn't it become a nightmare trying to manage all these wallets and within the wallets all these frameworks that you can send money here and not send it here? All that is taken care of by you, correct? Yes, and that, that that's where the opportunity lies because that's a level of complexity that n uh, that no small player can handle. Exactly. Uh, which is why we, uh, we saw this opportunity and given our, our background, in this field, we said, hey, you know, this is something worthy of our size. And you, I've, I've noticed you've been, uh, I was reading your blog and your website, and you've been doing many roadshows. You've been going to uh, countries in South, in, in Africa, even in, within India. Uh, you've went to some uh, conferences in Istanbul, etc. How's the reception been like? The reception has been great. I mean, this is a new product. Everybody's looking at um, somebody to take the lead in getting the players together. Uh, one of the things we've been working very actively on is on the standardization of these things. Because if you look at telecom, telecom works on SS7. It works great. It interrupts because everybody speaks SS7. There is no such protocol in the mobile wallet space. There are some ISO protocols which some of the payment providers use, but on the wallet space, it's not there. So we are now working with several of the regional players, uh, banking associations, etc., to, to standardize these things, including uh, a large project we are working with, the GSMA, where we're looking at uh, standardizing the APIs and building a gateway for them. So somewhere down the line, you could have an ISO that really comes out from uh, TerraPay. Would that be too too forward, uh, you know, too optimistic uh, a plan, if you will? So, yes, it will come out uh, from the GSMA, but we are supporting the standards there. It would, uh, it makes sense for us to work behind one of the large uh, industry bodies. And yes, uh, 
it could say GSMA, but it would be powered by Terrape. I, I just find it hard to digest that you would be the only player in the world that is actually tackling this thing. There is no other one. There's no one else. There are other regional players who are doing this. Um, a lot of them are um, working in different ways. Um, there are some players who work with the credit card providers, etc. But we are looking at uh, the mobile number being your identifier, and the vision is to send money to any mobile. You know, we believe that the mobile number uniquely identifies you anywhere in the world. It's one of the few unique IDs we have, and it's your public ID. Everybody knows it. So if I need to transact with you on a low-value payment, I can just send it to you on your mobile number. Uh, do you see yourself integrating with the you know smart social media messaging apps, uh, the likes of, let's say, WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger, etc.? Or do you see yourself providing some form of a messaging format that you can transfer money using those apps? So we're a B2B player. We are open to integrating with uh, anyone that is interested in sending money uh, to mobile wallets. So whether it's through social media, whether it's through um, chat apps or any other product, we're talking to all of them. How are you validating your model on ground? Uh, I mean, I take it every country has a different you know, set of parameters and different set of elements that describe the problem. Is it a one solution fit all kind of a thing or do you have various flavors for each region that you're operating? We have to have various flavors for each region. I mean, this is a new concept. Um, we target countries where uh, the subscribers are already educated about mobile wallets. So that's a good first place we start. So they, we don't have to create uh, or educate them about mobile wallets. They're already used to... Which is predominantly Africa and South Asia. Africa, South Asia, yes. And then, and which are the, the large receiving countries. And then through the sending countries, uh, a lot of them don't have uh, a large wallet ecosystem. For example, the Gulf, the Middle East doesn't have any uh, very large wallet players. So in that case, what we are doing is you go to your local... Uh, money transfer operator and you you provide him your identity and phone number and the mobile number of the receiving party and then it gets routed and how does the kyc element come in are you because you did mention that your technology is taking care of all the compliance aspect telephone number is really a I mean, it's a, it's, an, it's a unique identifier, but it's a very rudimentary num, uh, element to go with as far as KYC is concerned. Uh, isn't there a huge issue now that cash transactions are deemed risky, etc.? So how will you go about handling that part of the problem? So what is happening is we are working with pre-registered users. So when I, when I connect into a country, um, let's say it's in Kenya, I'm connected to the operators there. I'm connected to the mobile wallet players there. And before the transaction happens, I actually check with my partner if the KYC um, registration is available. In different countries, Nigeria, for example, has different levels of KYC. There's a KYC one where it's basic, but uh, you can only receive international remittances through a KYC two, right? So because we are already connected to the partners over there, before we send the transaction, we know which level of KYC that person has and has the partner actually done all that work for us. And once that is available, we send the money through. As opposed to the old ways where you just got a code and you send the money across, 
and the person showed up at the other side with his KYC. In this case, uh, we know that the KYC exists on both sides before the money actually goes through. No, got it. So you're basically tapping into the carrier's database. Exactly. Carriers or or other wallet players. But in a lot of countries, we need uh, KYC, which is slightly more advanced than what just the carriers uh, have. And we actually query the guys uh, to ensure that the data is there before we send the money across. Why the need for a license? I mean, if you are taking money from one carrier that is probably a mobile money carrier in one country and sending it to another country, both are assumed to be licensed. Why do you need a license? In a lot of cases, the mobile operators on, on both sides, they have the wallet license, but they don't have a remittance license. Uh, and that's where I come in. And in some cases, the, the operators don't want to get a, a remittance license for themselves because they feel this is an, a new, an additional burden on them. Since we are working with several players, we get ourselves a license and then connect to these operators as agents. So they become our agents collecting KYC, uh, dispensing cash, all of it, and we provide them the licensing cover for the deal. And what about uh, developed markets like UK or Holland or Germany? And these markets don't have a mobile wallet player per se. How do you pick up the transaction from there? And I guess that's the reason why you need a license over there. Exactly. So I um, have an FCA API license. And what I then do is work with these players. Uh, It could be mobile operators. It could be small ethnic groups. It could be the money transfer operator in that country. I work with them uh, to enable them to send the money across. Yes, there are no wallets in, um, there are less number of wallet players in Europe, but then we connect to the regular money transfer operators there and allow them to send money across uh, over the counter to us. As with the previous statement, you're not going to go retail. You partner up with on-ground players who already have access to the market. Yes, we don't want to go, go retail. There are several players doing a, uh, doing a great job on, on the retail side. We're just providing the pipes for this business. So two questions. First is, if I am a money transfer operator anywhere in the world where you may be operating, how do I get in touch with you and... Under what circumstances would I get in touch with you? We're looking at uh, partnering with people worldwide. I mean, if, if any of the corridors that we're working on actually helps you, uh, is of interest to you, uh, we want to provide this. We provide you a platform which then allows uh, you to um, you know, do your KYC, ensure that your receiving partner has KYC. Uh, so that, and we are hosted on the cloud. So anybody anywhere can actually connect to us. And you, because you mentioned you're doing B2B, that makes you a wholesaler, so to speak, for uh, cross-border money transfer. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and with that gives us the advantages of uh, being able to transfer bulk payments and get wholesale rates for that. So you, one can, so you could actually be my aggregator for multiple currency, for multiple countries to drop payments in. Exactly, and that's what we're doing. And uh, what's your rollout been like? So uh, which markets are you starting with now and which markets can we expect to see towards the year end? So like I mentioned, you know, the biggest challenge in this space is regulatory. Uh, Depending on the country you're working with, uh, you know, regulatory can take anywhere from three to 36 months. Uh, We've got the FCA license in place, which is the 
the green card of all licenses. So that allows us to partner with lots of players in the business. From there, we have several other licenses in place, uh, specifically in Africa. So rollout has been good. We've uh, we when we've gone live Spain to Nigeria just last week. We're looking at connecting um, Belgium, Italy, UK, France to this whole thing, and then uh, roll out further into Africa, where we're looking at uh, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda. Uh, we also have something happening in South Africa and Botswana, and then into Asia we have. A deal coming up in uh, Bangladesh. So once all of this uh, uh, settles in, we, you can send and receive to any of these countries. And this essentially because it's through our hub, it creates a network effect. So you have five senders, five receivers, all of a sudden you've created 25 corridors. I notice you haven't mentioned the likes of North America, Latin America, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, North America from a remittance perspective is slightly complicated. The regulatory is different from uh, the other countries. Uh, yes, the North America to, to Latin America corridor is huge, uh, but it's not in this year's plans. Once we do Spain and Portugal, which we Spain we've done, once we hit Portugal after that, there is an opportunity for us to look at Latin America, the corridor from Spain and Portugal into Latin America. Uh, so we may address it through that. But right now we are focusing just on um, UK, Europe, uh, Middle East, Africa, Asia, and not not New Zealand or Australia either. Uh, I know that one of your comp- uh, parent companies is a payment bank in India now. Is that correct? No, they actually gave up their license. Oh, what a pity. What a pity. <laughs> so, uh, but India is definitely at the heart of this thing, right? Yes, India is at the heart of all this. The recent things that have happened has uh, made digital payments uh, very important. India, uh, fortunately, has an extremely uh, exciting banking space. So we have the traditional banks, we have the payment banks, and then we have the National Payment Corporation, which is quite uh, aggressive in the whole switching space. So they've recently launched the, the UPI initiative. They've launched uh, um, you know, several other switching initiatives. So right now we're waiting for this whole wallet ecosystem to settle down um, before we come up with our strategy for India. India, as you know, is the largest market for remittances. Uh, so it's, it's, it's difficult to en- enter it uh, you know, without without a real plan. India is also the most competitive market. There's about a 1% um, margin in that market. So that's we will address that. Sorry. So when you say settle down, what does that mean? Consolidation or get better uh, view on the regulatory aspect of it? Better view on the regulatory aspect. So as of today, um, the wallets are not allowed to dispense cash. Yeah, which is really unique because that's, uh, I think India is the only example I can think of that actually has this uh, restriction, correct? Yes, yes. So it doesn't make sense if you're, you know, it's okay if you're putting in small amounts of money and, and you, you just circulate it within the network. But if you're not allowed to withdraw cash, um, it doesn't help a remittance payment. You could transfer it to a bank account. Now, what will happen is with some of the wallet players getting themselves payment banks, this ecosystem will grow and therefore uh, your wallet becomes a ba- uh, is associated with a bank account and now you can withdraw money from the bank. 
So I'm going to wait for that rollout to happen before we start working in this market. Amber, so how are you structured as a company? You mentioned that you're based out of Netherlands. That's your uh, home base and you have licenses all over the world. Um, how, how does Mahindra Group get structured? I mean, can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. So like we said, Therapy is headquartered in Netherlands. We have subsidiaries in the various countries where we take licenses. And we are looking at expanding on that. Right now, we have about 12 subsidiaries, uh, which are our 12 licensed uh, countries. And as we grow, we will continue to add uh, companies in this. The unfortunate thing about this is if you need a license, you need a local presence, and uh, which is okay. So we are now looking at actually um, getting partners in. We're looking at for strategic partners who can help us grow this business. I mean, coming from the group that we are, we uh, funds is not an issue, but uh, somebody who can partner with us to show us the better way of doing things is uh, would be good for us. So is that a call that you would like to, maybe I should say, are you going to be going on a investment round anytime soon? Yes, uh, we are hoping to close an investment round by around September of this year. So we will start looking at partners very soon, um, strategic players. We've had a lot of interest from some of the um, grant foundations which, which are actively involved in growing this and growing this space. So with them or some, un, some other strategic players, we would definitely like to have a few of them on board. I mean, I can already see you as a possible acquisition target by the likes of, I don't know, let's say Western Union Business Solutions or uh, the PayPals of the world, etc. Do you, is, the, is that the goal to get acquired or the goal is to maybe compete with them for a long, long time and become even way bigger than, the, the, than they are? Yeah, we are not really, I mean, we're part of what Western Union does, but the payment space is much larger than the remittance space. So we want to be in the payment space itself and uh, you know look for working with players in that space so uh, there's a lot of opportunity for us there to uh, do it on our own are you hiring by the way we're always looking for good people i'm looking for people in the markets uh, you know uh, anybody who has uh, good experience in, in servicing these these markets uh, feel free to give us a call and how can people get in touch with you through your website through the website, contact us at therapy.com is the best way to get in touch with us. And I love your, by the way, slogan. It's probably one of the most beautiful slogans I've heard in a long time. And folks, if you don't know it, Therapy's slogan is transfer happiness. So, you know, people are transferring value, people are transferring money, but they transfer happiness. <laughs> uh, Amber, as always, it's been great to have you over here. We will definitely do another segment with you sometime down the year to catch up and see how progress has been. Is there anything you would like to tell us, parting words, anything else? Awesome, Faisal. Great talking to you and, uh, you know, look forward to, to chatting up again. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, Faisal. Bye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 